Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday edition, a TGIF edition of Texans All Access, our last Friday edition of Texans All Access for the 2021 season. Now, we're going to have Friday editions of Texans All Access throughout the year and throughout our offseason. A, it'll be from 6 to 7, and B, it won't be back until after the Super Bowl. Um, We go dark from Monday. Oh, wow. From Monday... I'll do Monday All Access. That'll be our last show until Monday after the Super Bowl. Then we'll pick it up every single night, six to seven, five nights a week in the off season. But tonight is the last Friday edition. And I, John Harris, your host, football analyst and satellite reporter, so glad to be with you coming off of two hours with my man Ron the Show Hughley on Sports Radio 610. And then following me was Rich Lord. That was really, really cool. Um, Rich Lord, who did sidelines before I did, is an icon, a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's just incredible. So it was good to see Rich today as I was leaving the studio and he was stepping in. So we have got plenty of Texans for you today. And it's going to start with David Cully. Mark Vandermeer had a chance to catch up with the head coach today and talk about this finale against the AFC number one seed, currently the Tennessee Titans. Mark, take it away. Coach, one more time, and I know the fundamentals apply to this one as well as every other game you've played this year. And Getting off to a good start is going to be paramount against the Titans. Very important to get off to a good start. Uh, you know, We actually got off to a good start with them the last time we played them, Mark. It's very important that we do the same thing this time. And it's not just against them. It's very important weekly to be able to do that. And, and, and Mark, this is the last one. And, and obviously to be able to play this football team and have the success that you got to have with this football team, again, I'm going to go back. The first thing you got to do is you got to protect the ball against this team and you got to control the ball against this team because that's what they want to do. And so that's why it's important for us to get off to a good fast start. And what about the battle in the trenches? They're top three in running the football and stopping the run. Derrick Henry or no Derrick Henry, they like to run the ball, Coach. Yes, they do. And then we know, Mark, that we're going to have to stop it. And not only are we going to have to stop it, we're going to have to run it ourselves. And we're going to have to be as efficient uh, doing it as we've ever been this year uh, because we know they're going to do it. And that's part of ball control. That's part of being able to control the clock. And, then, and again, everything we do stems off of that from a, from a passing standpoint with our play-action pass game and getting the ball down the field. And, and uh, we obviously know that they're going to do the same thing. We know what they're going to do, Mark. They know what we're going to try to do. And it's just a matter of, of whoever does what they do best. Well, last time you played them, I know every game's different, but you had 38 carries. But I guess you don't get there unless you're converting third down. So what about Davis Mills on third down against their pass rush and whatever else they throw against you? Well, the, the big thing there, Mark, is that we've got to be in third and manageable. We can't be in third and long. And that goes back, Mark, to first and second down. We've got to be uh, positive in first and second down. And, and I thought the last game that when we played them, we were pretty good at Ben, and although it wasn't Davis at that time, but we were pretty good in staying at third and management, making those third. We, we were in a bunch of third and one and third and twos, and we converted those. And uh, we've got to do the same thing now. And that, that starts with first and second down, Mark. What's the key to getting after their quarterback, Coach? Because you had all those picks last time. I know you'd love them this time. Every game's different. But what about getting that pass rush for the Houston Texans going? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to stop the run with this football team and mm-hmm. force them to do that. And when you when you no, don't allow them to be able to do what they want to do, like you said, they're they lead they lead they're number one in the league, and you know, in the top three every year in rushing the football, and everything stems off of that. And we stop that, 
and we want them to do what they don't want to do, and that's throw the football, and that's where our pass rush becomes very, very important when we, when we do that. And, and last time we played them in week 11, our pass rush was very good and did a nice job. I think we end up forcing them to throw the ball 52 times, which was, may have been the second highest that uh, uh, Tannehill had ever thrown in his career. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I hope we put them in a situation where they got to throw it another 52 times. What about the kicking game element of this matchup, Coach? Very important. As a matter of fact, it was so important in our last game, we ended up getting a turnover off the kicking game uh, with our uh, punt team last time, and we also ended up getting a touchdown off of that. And we've been very consistent with that, and uh, it's very important because they have also a very good special teams unit. And, uh, you know, basically we just want to be as consistent as we can be there and knowing that uh, we've got to play all phases uh, in our kicking game uh, very consistent and well. It's fan appreciation day. So what about showing out for the fans one more time, right? We want to end the thing the right way with them and no better way to end it at home with a win and without our fans and get, and show them the appreciation we have for them. And they will be a big part of being us getting that win this week, Mark. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you very much, Mark. Looking forward to it. All right, let's keep this train a rolling. With a little Drew's Dozen to start off as well. Now, we'll have Drew's final word later in the show with rookie Roy Lopez Jr., which I just kind of buried the lead in some sense because the Drew's Dozen is with our guy, Roy Lopez Jr. Drew, take it away. Look who it is, friends. It's Roy Lopez, defensive lineman, and this is a Drew's Dozen. You did this back when it was really, really hot in training camp, so now we get to relax and have our fun with this. Tell me about your hair. How long is your hair going to grow? No, nah, it needs a cut. It needs a cut. I'm not judging. Um, I'm just wondering. I'm just right. Wondering. I got you. No, yeah, it needs a cut. My nana is the one that does my hair. Or Originally, it was my nana. My sister, she now does my hair. So that's pretty much the thing. I haven't been able to have her out here for a game for a while. So she's the one that touches my hair. She don't want nobody else touching my hair. So <laughs> I, I let her have that. And I started growing in my junior year of high school. Had it long my whole college career. Yeah, I don't plan to, to cut it anytime soon. I take it your Nana is one of your grandmothers? Yes. Okay, yes, so she's pretty protective. Has that protection ever been tested by somebody else cutting your hair? And what happened if it was? So both of my Nanas are hairdressers. That's what oh, they do. They both do right. hair. But it's been my mom's side that did it when I was younger. But now they were protective. They're the ones that only touch my hair, everything like that. But now it's my sister. They understand that my sister took over. You know, my sister takes pride in it. You know, every time someone takes a com- or says a compliment about it, you know, she feels she smiles and feels good. So, yeah, I, I owe all the credit to her. Well, that's cool. You know, and we've talked about this before. And, you know, we've seen the, the videos and the photos of, on game day of you with your sisters. They're obviously very, very important parts of your life. Heck, we've seen them. I saw tears coming down their face after after a couple of games because they were so proud of you. How much fun has it been for you this season seeing them react to your successes? Right. You know, and, you know, you got to think my sisters are just a small portion of what people feel, you know, and my family, they're glued to the TV on Sunday. You know, they send me videos. Everybody's just surrounding the TV. That's the biggest thing for me is being able to make them proud and seeing videos and messages from them. They'll probably never understand what, you know, that makes me feel. That's my greatest accomplishment to this day, you know, being able to see smiles on their faces and how they feel. Pride, you know, that I feel that times 10. Going back to the moment I got drafted, it was one of the best days of my life. But not, not only for me, it was for everybody else. It was a sigh of relief, but at the same time, it was a great, loving, proud moment for everybody. That's really cool. And remind me again, what are your sister's names? Alexa and Ariana. 
Alexa and Ariana, Ariana shout Zobel. out to them. Yeah. yeah. Good, shout good out stuff. Because I'm sure at some point they're going to watch or listen to this. Right, so, they'll uh, probably watch it before me. That's the crazy. They always get the <laughs> pictures and videos and everything before me. They send it to me. I'm like, how did you even get that? But I don't know how they get it. And they send it to my mom, my dad. They're the first ones to see it. So and shout out to your mom and dad, too. We love, yeah, love hearing from them and seeing them, definitely. too. So looking at yourself, if you look at your hair right now in this, how would your <laughs> nanas and how would your sisters grade out the, the hairstyle right now? Would they be pleased with it? Would they have something no. to say about it? Probably not too good. Oh, okay. bun's fine, but it's a little uneven. So that means my bun was uneven when I started it. But it's just got a shower, so it needs to dry before okay. we can fully critique it. You know, so right now it's about a, a B. B, know? okay. B. Yeah, but well, it depends who's grading it. If it's Alexa, Alexa's a hard sister. She'll probably give me a C. You know, oh, so. okay. But we yeah. need we need those folks in life that hold us to a higher standard. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I like I like the sound of, of what Alexa's like. That sounds yeah. cool. Good stuff, Alexa. You yeah. stay on him. Okay. Yeah. Last week I interviewed Jacob Martin. He was sitting where you're sitting now, and he said unprompted that you are the best dancer on the entire team. Oh, and he's not just talking about sack dances. He's talking about dances in the locker room and stuff. Why is this the case, Roy Lopez? I don't know why he said that. I, <laughs> I do not know why he said that. That's funny. But the D-line don't got too much dancers, so it might be me. Okay. Yeah, he said you I did don't the know gritty. Why he said that. I don't know why he said that. Though. He said you could do the gritty. He obviously said the salsa. Do you know how to tango? I do. I know how to yeah, do so all the dances. That because yeah, he so said I guess I win. I guess I win. He said the tango is the only dance that he cannot do, and he knew you could for some reason. Have you been tangoing in the locker room? <laughs> no, I showed him a video is okay. what it was. But, you know, I asked if he could two-step, you know, because I know he – You see, I don't know if you've seen his game day outfits. He throws oh, yeah, the cowboy yeah. hat on, boots. We talked about it, yeah. So I was like, can you two-step? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, we got to go one time. We got to go. You know, and I was, like, I was like, let's do it. He goes, I do all the dances. And I'm like, all right. He's like, I, I, I go, I know all the line dances. I was like, all right, bro, we can go. That's that's fine. So I guess me and him actually do talk about dancing a lot. So, yeah. That's great. All right. Well, hey, if nothing else, you're the greatest dancer on the yeah. Texans. And that's something that's not something to uh, think of lightly. You're born on August 7th. So go Leos. I'm right. August 4th. You know who else was born on the 7th was Charlize Theron, the actress. Kyler Murray, he's quarterback of the team where you're from. Sidney Crosby is one of the greatest hockey players ever. Mike Trout is one of the greatest baseball players ever. ever. And then Lee Corso, ESPN wow. Game Day. It's a pretty cool crew. Yeah, I didn't know that. If you guys all got together, what's, what would the conversation be like at, at dinner if you guys were all sitting together? It'd probably be competitive. Yep. I think everybody you named right there was a competitive, come from competitive natures. Something. You know, we're arguing over something. You know, it'd probably start with the – LeBron, Michael Jordan, that's an easy one to, to start, you know, so we'll probably go there. Where do you stand on that, by the way? LeBron James. It's LeBron, not, okay. No, it's not close. But I understand people have their opinion. Michael Jordan's a great, greatest, GOAT, greatest of all times, LeBron James. You know, that, that's what I, I would see how our dinner would go, us uh -huh. just uh, having friendly sports arguments. So we're all competitive competitive creature so i like it that'd be a fun thing to see okay first concert you ever went to was what was jason aldean was my first concert i went to okay so that, that's what i look forward to most and then i'd definitely be at the uh the rodeo here also yeah i was gonna say i so i didn't know about you know you said jason aldean you were talking about two-stepping so you're gonna show up huh I mean, you're, you'll be i'll here. be there 
Yeah, yeah I'll be there. I, I talked to Jacob Martin. Jacob Martin said a couple of years ago he was out there with some of the Bulls. His family deals with some of the Bulls. So yeah. I was like, man, I got to I gotta get down there. Like, Your mind is going to be blown by what you see. Go to the livestock show. You're going to love it. You will love uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I'm excited. Ross, Ross told me go on an empty stomach. So I'm yeah, looking yep. forward to it. Ross knows what's it. up. Yeah. yeah. He's uh he's from around here. He understands. Right. Okay. Your favorite exercise in the weight room and your least favorite exercise in the weight room. What are they? Favorite, we'll go we'll go bench. Okay. And then least favorite, anything single leg. Right. So single leg, elevated, squats, anything single leg. That's yeah. yeah you gotta yeah, anything single leg. There's Worse. a reason you have two legs, right? So let's right. <laughs> right. You're, right. you're a practical guy, Roy Lopez. That's good. Right. What was the first job you ever had? First job I had, I was probably doing some, some with yard work, cleaning, cutting grass, something. but my family's going to say I never had a job. So <laughs> I'll say that, but I did, I did around the house, you know, so. That, the house, yeah. That. Yeah. All right. Last thing. What are you looking forward to most in 2022? It's our, it's already here, but we're only a few days in. Just growth again. You know, I look forward to growing. You know, that's the first thing I write in my notebook every day when I get when I get to the facility and, and, and watch film or anything. That's the first thing I write is growth. You know, I just want to keep growing. You know, I want to keep making my family proud. I want I want smiles on their faces. I want to hear them cheer. Another reason why I look forward to the offseason is be able to to go back home and spend time with them. So just grow. I want my family to grow. I want everybody around me to grow. I want the Texans to grow. I want I want everybody to take another step. And, and that's what I look forward to in twenty twenty two. Most excellent. Thank you so much, Roy Lopez. This was a lot of fun. Can't wait to talk to you again. And best of luck Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. Thank you. Appreciate it. Man, we came out of the gates hot on a Friday night at TGIF edition of Texans All Access. We got you, David Cully. We got you, Roy Lopez, who's had a sensational rookie season for your Texans. I mean, we came out the gates hot, did we not? And we've also got news. So let's get to it. Now, I have not seen a transaction. I don't know if this will be a transaction that comes out from the Texans, but it has been reported in many, many places. The Texans and Rex Burkhead have come to an agreement for the 2022 season. He will be back. I really like that news. I really like that news. I think Rex has done yeoman's work. He had a tremendous game, obviously, against the LA Chargers, but what he has brought to that running back position after Mark Ingram was traded, they've had some ineffectiveness in, at that position, and Rex stepped up and said, I got this, I'm good, and he's done some really good things. Now, along with that news came the news that Scotty Phillips is going to be brought back as well. So your running back stable at this point is Rex Burkhead, Scotty Phillips, and we'll see decisions on guys that remain uh, in the building. As of right now, you have Darius Anderson, and you have David Johnson, you have Royce Freeman. I think Royce has done some good things. I wouldn't mind keeping Royce around. I think his contract situation is a little different. I don't know if he can sign a futures contract. I don't know how that works. Either way, Royce has done some good things for this team as well. I am on record as saying I do think the running back position needs definite young legs. There are some top-notch rookies, I think, in this in this draft class, not to a point where you go draft on the first round, especially where the Texans are drafting, but I think you can find one starting in the second round. You look around the league and you look at the best, let's just go through them. The best backs in the AFC, just go to the AFC South. Derrick Henry, second rounder. Jonathan Taylor, the Colts, second rounder. Uh, James Robinson was undrafted free agent 
uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had a tremendous rookie season. Javante Williams, Denver Broncos, excellent rookie year, second rounder. Cam Akers, Rams, second rounder. There have been a ton of second round draft picks. Oh, Dalvin Cook, Vikings, second rounder. Alvin Kamara, third rounder. I think you can start to find some exceptional talents at the running back position and in this draft, too. Brees Hall from out of Iowa State, Kenneth Walker III at Michigan State, formerly of Wake Forest, and Isaiah Spiller at Texas A&M. Those are my big three. Those are the three I love. But James Cook at Georgia, Dalvin Cook's brother, has shown his dual threat abilities, catching the ball in the backfield. Either way, there's some young talent you can bring in as well. But I love bringing back Rex Burkhead and Scotty Phillips and bringing in a young talent at running back in addition to that. And we'll see what else happens with the three guys that are in the stable right now as well. But Rex Burkhead has been taking care of business, and I'm glad he is back for 2022. All right, let's get to the status report. That is, of course, on a Friday. Who's in? Who's out? Now, there's one big um, question mark aside from the guys that are questionable in this game. And there are three players questionable for the Texans in this one. Chris Conley has been dealing with the knee issue. He has not practiced all week. He is questionable. Jordan Akins and Chris Moore, Jordan Akins, the tight end, Chris Moore, the wide receiver, have, been, have not practiced, did not, I'm sorry, they practiced on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday, practiced, practiced in a limited capacity on Friday. They are both Questionable. So three players questionable for the Texans. Justin Britt, Jonathan Grenard, Kamu Grugier-Hill. Those three are in their full participants in practice. For the Titans, I thought this was big, literally and figuratively. Tyre Tart and Naquan Jones both are out. Those two guys are the Titans' size inside. Look, Jeffrey Simmons is, is incredible. He's incredible. These two guys are the space eaters. These guys are the ones taking on multiple double teams. you got to move Jones and you got to move Tart. Those two are the size. They are both out. Kendall Lamb was a limited participant uh, with an illness, but he is in as are Deke Autry, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Ben Jones, Julio Jones, Darrell Murchison, David Quesenberry, Derek Roberson, Roger Saffold. Those guys all in and full participants back at practice today. The $64 million question, if you will, is what happens to Derrick Henry? At this point, crickets, don't know. He has been, as I mentioned on Wednesday, brought back into the 21-day window. And what that means is the Titans have 21 days with which to make a decision. So that was on Wednesday. If the Titans do end up getting a W, which hopefully they don't. But if they do, then they've got another week where they're not playing a game. It gives Derrick Henry more time to rest, but practice, and then get ready for a home game the following week. That would all fall within the 21-day window. So the Titans in a pretty decent situation from that standpoint that Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman held it down and actually ran for 177 combined yards, I think it was, against the Dolphins. My Gut says Henry's a no-go for Sunday. But then again, I could see the Titans saying, yeah, we need to get him a few carries, knock some of that rust off. And I don't know that I'd like to see it. There's part of me that kind of wants to see it. I like watching great players regardless. And the last three times, three times, 
Yeah, the last three times that Henry has played against the Texans, one uh, twice in 2020, once at the end of 2019, he ran for over two bills against them. So we'll see whether, A, he plays, B, how much he plays, but Derrick Henry is one to watch this weekend to see if the Titans take him out of that 21-day window and make him active for the game Sunday, or they wait for the playoffs. The Titans, the AFC South Division winner. And keep in mind, the Titans right now, the number one seed, a win. They're the number one seed. They get the only bye. They play the divisional playoff round at home as they watch the three games take place next weekend to see who they would then play at home. Presumably, Derrick Henry would be ready to rock for that playoff game. If the Titans lose, then they would end up having to see what happens with the Chiefs game and then also the Patriots game because the Patriots beat the Titans, but the Titans beat the Chiefs. So the Chiefs to get the number one seed, we've got to have the Titans lose. The, tit- the Chiefs have to win on Saturday night. So the Chiefs are going to know, hey, we've won. Now we put some pressure on the Titans to have to win. So we'll see how that goes down. The Titans can't mail it in and have the number one seed because the Patriots are still playing for the potential of being that number one seed. The Patriots got to have the Texans win, and then the Patriots would have to win. So a lot of different machinations. But for the Titans, they're thinking, win and we rest. I'd like to disrupt that apple cart, no doubt. And a guy that has an opportunity to do that is Garrett Wallow, the rookie linebacker who's really played well when he has been playing at the linebacker position. Now that some vets have been back, he's not gotten as much time, but he has shown that he is going to be a vital player in this game, but also the 22 season and beyond. He is with DP Sidhu next right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and I got to give some serious props to one of our biggest fans out there, and that is Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston from comfort and convenience to air quality. Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Dykin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Dykin, and it's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week. Our good friend DP Sidhu stops by to chat with linebacker Garrett Wallow. DP, take it away. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest linebacker Garrett Wallow wrapping up his rookie campaign. Garrett, I mean, it's coming to a close now. How has it felt year one in the NFL? And uh, how much do you feel like you've grown through these past yeah. few games? Well, it's definitely. Honestly, it's, uh, it's flown by really fast, even though it's felt like a long year. It's crazy to look back and think like yesterday I was just walking here for a rookie minicamp in OTA. So it's honestly just been a blessing. It's been a long ride, but it's been a good one too. Um, I learned a lot about myself as a player. I've grown a lot mentally on the field and just physically on the field and in the weight room as well. So it's just been an overall very successful year. Um, I got to learn from a bunch of guys in front of me. Um, I got to learn from a bunch of great coaches. So I'm just happy that you know, I'm just happy to be here, happy to keep growing, happy to keep improving and just, you know, improving on little things. I know you had said Sean Baker, who's the assistant special teams uh, coach, had told you back in training camp how much you had grown just from rookie mini camp. Where yeah. did you feel like you grew? E- even before the season started, you felt like you had really grown a lot in the NFL. What, where, where was the early part of the learning for you? 
I think um, where I really started to take those stages, those steps in those stages were really when I got some game reps. Um, the more confidence I got on the field, the more confidence, like, okay, yeah, I can do this. You know what I'm saying? Just like, I'm out here in the NFL. Like, it's been a dream come true. I'm actually playing in the NFL. I'm doing, you know, I can actually do this. So once that confidence really kicked in, that's when, like, all the other things started following each other. But just working on, like, the small details every day with Sean and Frank, with special teams, and then with my linebacker core, Coach Miles, and the guys, man, just con- just constantly learning from them, growing from them. Just looking back, there's been so much improvement. And, you know, I didn't really realize how much I was improving until you really just sit back and reflect. So, I mean, like I said, it's been nothing but a blessing. I'm just happy, happy to see it. All right. So both Lovey Smith and Frank Ross, they, they both describe you as a student of the game. And I, I believe you played all three linebacker spots and you were on special teams. What was the toughest part of your learning curve as a rookie? Was it just the competition level of the guys? Was it learning the playbook? Was it the speed of the game? What did you think was the biggest challenge for you and just sort of overcoming that this year? Right. I think it was really just getting confidence um, in the defense. I think all that really just comes from reps. You know, I think a lot of the guys helped me along the way to understand each position. I think I've definitely learned the defense a lot better by understanding all three linebacker positions. But I'm constantly learning. You know, it's always still a growing process, still learning. But I definitely say just the confidence and just being able to be confident in the defense. And that just takes practice reps and game reps, which has lately been coming and it's, it's been a blessing. But that's just the biggest thing, just um, being able to trust myself that I know what I'm doing out there and being able to just, you know, gain my teammates' trust as well. So Yeah, you a- definitely got a lot more reps in December. You had back-to-back <laughs> starts just with all the injuries and COVID and everything else going on. And, and, and you really stepped up to the plate, especially your first start in Jacksonville. You got your first sack. You had a quarterback hit. You had a TFL. You led the team in tackles. I mean, what was that whole experience like? And how did you not let the moment <laughs> get too big for you? Right. Just taking everything play by play. Didn't realize how much I was, how many, how many well, I didn't really think about the stats. So somebody told me after the game and I was just like, you know, I was out there feeling like a kid again, you know, running around, having fun, you know, playing the game I love. And, you know, moments like that, when you have great success on the field with your teammates, you know, it just makes everything worth it. You know, the hard work, the ups and downs that this game brings, uh, this game brings. I mean, not everything's going to be high, but, you know, the downs is the one that, you know, strengthen you and build you up. So I just think all that was just a surreal moment for me. And just, you know, putting that aside and be able to move on to the next week is huge. You know, although I did have success that game, you know, I wanted that for every game. You know, I just want our team to have success every game. So definitely was excited about that. But, you know, there's still still just that idea of wanting more for the team is, is always going to be the game plan. Your game day personality is described as, quote, pretty chill, patient. That's how some <laughs> of your teammates have described you. Uh, who, uh, so, who described me as that? <laughs> I think Neville Hewitt. Neville Hewitt said you were pretty chill. Is that is that not accurate? Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. So that's funny that you say that. So in college, my coach used to have to slow me down on game days. He always said the first couple of plays, I was always too riled up to where, like, he would have to watch what he called for, like, the first three plays until I calmed down. Um, that's because, you know, just the excitement, like, ready to play. But now I think I play better when I'm, when I'm relaxed and can think good. And just when I'm out there, just having fun. So, yeah, I definitely say I'm pretty chill. I'm intense, but I don't show it. I, I'm, I'm intense in the, in the inside, but I'm pretty chill on the outside. So, <laughs> I don't, so how I do you do that? How, how do you – I mean, it, it's probably a lot of nerves, especially your rookie year. Yeah. You're getting starts. You're getting meaningful snaps. I mean, how do you keep yourself calm on game day? I mean, you see a lot of vets out there that have a hard time calming themselves and calming their nerves how do you do it it's been a learning process to be honest ever since I started playing you know every it feels like every time I step into a new stage of like football in my life I learn more and more about myself right so 
a lot of it's come from preparation, just preparing mentally for the game. It's not all just, you know, X and O's. You know, sometimes you got you got to prepare your mind to just be mentally ready to, to go against going to a war. So the most thing for me is just like I never want to be seen as a weakling, right? So just going out there and just show myself, keeping composed, no matter if things go bad or good. You know, a lot of guys gain respect for that. And I gain, you know, I, I learned from, like, of course, the vets in front of me, you know, if things go bad, they always tell me just swipe it to the next play, just keep moving on, just keep having fun, keep playing. So keeping your composure is huge. Um, like I said, you don't want to show anybody that you're that you're weak, you know. And that's just kind of always been my mindset. <laughs> so, but also have fun with it as well. You do seem to keep your cards pretty close to your chest. You don't really put a lot of yourself out there on Instagram. You're not really out there on social media. So uh, for people that want to know, for fans that want to get to know you a little bit better, what are some of your hobbies? What are some things that you do in your free time, your interests? What do you think about Houston? Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm not really a big social media guy, too. I used to be when I was, you know, back in the day, but there's a reason actually for that. I just like to, you know, just enjoy what's going on in life. You know what I'm saying? What I can see in person, things like Agree. that. Agree, yeah. I actually, I need to get back to writing, but I used to write a little bit of poetry. That was kind of something to just like calm my mind. I took a poetry class in college and I really fell in love with it. You know, my tutor, he texts me all the time still. And he's like, you need to get back to writing. You need to get back to writing. So that was something I'm very passionate about. I really like spending time with family and having crawfish balls. I think that's where I have my most fun. Mm. To see my family happy eating crawfish, you know, that's something that we do like tradition wise, having balanced music playing, like good music playing, everybody's dancing, um, having a good time. And then I just like, I like watching movies. For some reason, when I get away from football, I've always went home and put a movie on. That's just something that like just calms my mind, something that I've always been interested in, in my life, all different types of genres, like anything, something that made me laugh, something that made me a little emotional in a good way <laughs> and just movies all over. So I definitely say those three things are really nice. And then I'm starting to get a little bit, I've been trying to read a couple of start, like reading a couple of books too. Yeah, just doing a couple of things outside. I'm very, I'm active too. I like to hunt. I like to fish a lot. That's one thing I do like to do. Me and my girlfriend's brother, we, when every time I'm back in Dallas, we go fishing a whole lot. So I'm um, a big fisher. I just like to be outdoors really. Yeah, that's okay. There's, first of all, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> you, you have like a wide range of interests. I had no yeah. idea. All right, you started with poetry, so let let's start there. Uh, okay. What kind of what kind of poems do you write? I I, I interviewed Arian um, Foster a long time ago. He was really big into poetry. He used to yeah. write every single day. Okay. Is that something that you have to do to keep up your poetry well, skills? When I was writing, I just kind of wrote whatever came to mind. So I would just have like a subject. So one time I wrote about like a night in New Orleans. You know, I just wrote about like. Sometimes, you know, I try, I try to, I wrote my girl a poem about love. You know, I just like to do like things like that. Just like, if you just give me a subject, whatever comes to my mind, I just try to find like some rhythm with it and some things that make sense and attach to each other. So I just feel like I have like a natural, a natural gift for it, which is something that I could, I could get better and better at. Um, That's something I'm definitely going to like look back onto into the off season and kind of get back into because I really found a lot of peace when I was, you know, just writing down whatever came to mind, whatever I was thinking, just putting it on paper. It's actually like a really beautiful thing. But uh, <laughs> I really do enjoy it's, it. So, it's so creative. I, I mean, sometimes yeah. I guess when you're playing such a physical game, it's kind of nice to go do something creative. That's like a good, Yeah. some guys do music. I, yours is poetry, obviously. Yeah, like, you'd, re you'd really be surprised what you come up with if you just, you know, put a, a pen and paper in front of yourself and just, just start writing. You don't even have to think too much of it. Just start writing something down and just, just keep going. <laughs> As someone who likes to write, I, I totally understand that. 
Uh, all right. So crawfish boils and hunting. I feel like those kind of go hand in hand. You grew up in New Orleans. What sort of things do you like to hunt? Are you, does that mean you're good in the kitchen? I feel like people that hunt, they generally like to cook what they hunt. Okay, Are you so pretty good chef? I've never been much of a cooker. Um, okay. So when we hunt, like um, I went deer hunting. My uncles, you know, grew up deer hunting. My honey who just passed away is my grandpa called my honey. We're all big deer hunters. So when I were, whenever I was younger, I always, you know, I used to play so many sports. I used to play basketball, baseball, football. So I wasn't able to go to me too much when I was younger. So, but I always had like a love for it. You know, I just like being in the, being like in the forest in the stand, which is just, just, just playing grass in sight, man. It's just, it's just something about it. It's just peaceful, you know, good weather. It's not high. It's pretty cold. It's just, it just, you know, it gives my mind peace when I'm out there. So uh, I used to go sometimes when I was younger, when I had some free time, one of the funnest things I've ever did was alligator hunt. Mm. That's probably the, probably the funnest experience of my life. Like hunting wise. It was definitely crazy. I think I remember on that trip that we went alligator hunting. Somebody on the trip shot like a 13-foot alligator. And that was like the craziest thing I've seen in my life uh, when his head came out of the water. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> I mean, if I would call alligator hunting fun, but I guess if you're into that. It's a, sort of it's a lot more fun than you think. Like, I don't scary. know, if you're like an outdoorsy person, you just had to experience it. Like, something like, I was, I'm scared of alligators. I still am. Okay. Uh, so we had actually had a camp that uh, I grew up on, uh, we would go away just for like camp trips uh, that my family owned. And on the water, you know, my uncles used to alligator hunt in the water, like where the, on the water where the camp was at. So as a kid, you know, we used to jump in and jump, jump in and out of that water. I, used to, I was fishing since I was younger. So I always had like that love for like an outdoor feel, even though like I live in like the city, but um, I do love outdoors a lot. And then crawfish balls, I mean, that, you just got to come to one. I'm going to have to invite you to one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can see how fun it is, but. I mean, um, I feel like you would know being from Louisiana. I, yeah, I tried yeah. it when I moved to Texas, but yeah. It's really, it's, it's really a social thing too. Right. You know? um, everybody gets to just forget whatever's going on in their life for that just moment. Just have a good time with each other. My mom, she makes a great crawfish. My, my uncle's, I mean, he does his thing. So we all just, you know, just have a good time, play music, just enjoy each other, enjoy each other's presence. That's always a really good time. It's so social. It's such a fun activity to do with a bunch it of people. Is. I don't know if it's for the food. I'm usually pretty hungry. Maybe I'm not sure. shelling crawfish fast enough. What about movies and books? All right. What have you, have you had any time to see anything? I know it's kind of crazy during the season, but during your downtime, I mean, is there a movie that you've seen lately, a book that you're wanting to read here when the off season kicks off? Um, so I have a book that I just got for Christmas. It was a Sean Taylor book. He's actually my favorite player. It was no, like yeah. going, always going full speed. Like just like a book about like things that went on in his life, good and bad. So that's one thing I really want to read and get to more, get to know more about him. Cause in high school, you know, I grew up watching his highlights. Like I'm a big Sean Taylor fan. Like that's why I used to base my game around. And then movies. I mean, to be honest, I put on a movie every night. Like it never wow. fails. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I put on a movie every night. Just while I like you know I'm over there doing like my game plan stuff and going over my notes. I just throw a movie on there and just. Kind like, of like old old plan. movies, new movies. I watch it all. Oh, okay, okay. I watch it all. <laughs> Watches everything. You, yeah. I yeah. guess you, if you've got a movie every night, you, you're pretty open yeah. to all so genres. We, I actually have a lot of good uh, conversations with the with the training room people in there, and I'm like, give me another movie, and they're like, okay, go go watch this. I was like, I will come back and we'll talk about it every day. Sometimes we won't finish, but like, yeah, I'm I love movies. I don't know. I just like. I like, fig well, like, I've, I've watched movies so much that, I, like, I figure out what's going to go on with, at the end between, like, the first 10 minutes. I'm like, okay. I like to give, like, a theory, like, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And I'm, most of the time, I'm usually right. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there's a segment for Garrett's movie reviews somewhere, 
somewhere in this oh, yeah. like you, you gotta like, do movie um, reviews if anybody is interested i'll definitely put down a okay we gotta we yeah maybe that's there. something we, we might be interested in something that I don't know. <laughs> all right before okay one more question before i let you go well actually two mm-hmm. more for the first is your name because you only have one t on the end of garrett that's and fun. that's been really hard for some of us that know garrett always spelled garrett with two t's whose idea was that and how often does your name get misspelled because of that all right this is really embarrassing but my own family still spells my name wrong sometimes. But <laughs> um, yeah, so Garrett one T, two R's, one T. Usually it's right. spelled with two R's and two T's. Right. Um, I asked my mom one day, I was like, hey, why'd you why'd you just leave one T on? She's like, I just wanted you to be different. Oh. I was like, okay, okay. And then my stepdad, he's like, well, it sounds better with two T's. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm just like, okay, like we can't go back and forth with this. Like we got to like come up with something. But um, <laughs> yeah, she just always wanted me to be different. So she just kept one T at the end. And I think I've never, like, it's like the craziest thing. Like sometimes like all my, like my college awards, like all that two T's. Yeah. Like it's like the craziest thing ever. Like I was just like, I just got used to it, but I was like, you know, it is what it is. I was like, <laughs> the, uh, your name probably gets misspelled a lot, but I, oh, I I've be, never seen another Garrett with one T. Yeah. <laughs> you'd honestly be surprised. Like I've never had my name spelled so wrong so many times in my life, but I like, I just laugh at it now. Like, like it never bothered me. I just knew like what the reason why my name was spelled different. So every time I see, it, I just like it just I just start laughing. I was like, it's funny. That's good. You've got a good attitude about it. All right. Yeah. So now <laughs> you got year year two coming up. I mean, everyone talks about this big rookie jump from year one to year two. What what are some goals that you have for yourself now that you got one year under your belt almost and you've got some starts? You've kind of mastered special teams there. What are some things that you want to get better at next year? Most definitely. I think um, just just taking that jump with my body, physically preparing my body to go a 17-game season longer and just be, like, feeling like, you know what I'm saying, just just grow uh, physically has definitely been, like, a goal. Definitely keep improving on the field, keep improving my knowledge, my football knowledge. But um, I think just that this offseason is going to be so huge uh, for me just as just as an individual I'm thinking just like just how much I want to grow how much I want to change my body around to just be at my best that it can be next year for the team so um it's definitely going to be a long it's going to be a hard hard all season for me and I'm going to put everything into it so I'm definitely excited about it all right we can't wait to see it Garrett with one T who loves movies (laughs) and writes poetry I've learned so much about you that I did not know it's it's great to (laughs) to get to know you finally Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Thanks so much, Garrett. All right, best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, thank you so much. Love that dude, man. Love him on the field. Great dude off the field. I can't wait till uh, Mark and I have a chance to have an interview with Garrett Wallow. I'm a little envious that DP had such a great time talking with the New Orleans native Garrett Wallow. Played his ball, John Curtis. His high school ball, John Curtis, which I know well. TCU for Gary Patterson. And obviously his first year here with the Houston Texans. All right, we get back. We'll discuss our keys to a win over the Titans. That's next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Welcome back to Friday edition, Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And it's time for my weekly keys to the game against the Tennessee Titans. Titans 11-5. I mentioned it earlier, playing for the number one seed in the AFC. At the end of 60 minutes, could be the number one seed in the AFC. So, how will the Texans do it? Well, let's start with the Titans' offense and the Texans' defense. Number one key, Titans won't change. Not going to change. As I put in my Know Your Foe article, ain't changing. Watching the Titans, 
doesn't matter where Derrick Henry is at running back or Deontay Foreman's at running back or you or I are at, for, at running back. They're going to do what they do because they're going to run behind that, that quintet up front. Taylor Luan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, David Quesenberry. They're going to run behind those guys. They're going to run zone. They're going to run zone, and they're going to pound, and they're going to you know cut back. They're going to run split zone. That's just what they do. They're not changing. So you've got to meet them in the middle as physically as you've played all year long. It takes a toll. But if you match them physical for physical, you'll be in a game in the fourth quarter with an opportunity to win it. They, the Texans, I don't want to say got away with anything, but the Texans got out to a lead because of turnovers and takeaways and some solid Tyra Taylor play before the rain hit. And the Titans had to then throw the ball way more than they want to. They want to pound the rock. They want to get behind that quintet of guys up front and really take over the game physically. Don't allow it. Run, hammer, tackle well, do whatever you got to do, but get them out of what they do well. Number two, I call it just ask the Niners. And the reason I say that is the Niners had a whale of a time trying to stop A.J. Brown. A horrible time stopping A.J. Brown. The Texans have had a horrible time stopping A.J. Brown. But Desmond King gave him a hit in the ribcage, and that knocked him out of the game. And the Titans' offense for the rest of the game was just kind of wayward without him. Now, Nick Westbrook-Akine did some decent things. That offense is different without A.J. Brown. The Niners found that out because Tannehill went to A.J. Brown consistently in the second half. Six catches for 121 yards and a tutty in the second half, and that changed things. And finally, the tempo. The Titans want to go at a fast pace. Not all the time, but at key times. And that could be a difference if the Texans aren't ready for it. Defensively, it's about Jeffrey Simmons up front. That front is outstanding with he and Danico Autry. Now, they're without size. Naquan Jones and Tier Tart are going to be out. But Simmons and Autry inside. Harold Landry and Bud Dupree on the outside. That's as tough a group to move and have success against. Number two, 31's down there. Joe Burrow said this about Jamar Chase last week. I know Jamar's down there somewhere. Well, for the Texans, Kevin Bayard's down there somewhere. And he is going to make plenty of plays on the ball if you throw the ball up and let him go make one. And finally, I say this every week when Davis Mills is starting, get him comfortable early, he'll produce late. Get him comfortable early, he'll produce for you late. All right, those are your keys to the game. Now, Drew Doherty and I did a little in the lab for you coming up next. It gets wacky. Trust me. We'll do that for you. On the other side right here on Texans All Access. We got one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition, our last Friday edition for the 2021 season, that is, of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And Drew Dory and I get together each week and we chat on our podcast called In the Lab. And this week, we sort of looked into the screen and we looked at each other and thought, what are we doing? And Drew just said, uh, just go with it. I was like, okay. And so he asked me, about rookies and expectations for the rookies. And so I think I started with Davis Mills, I believe, and I gave him what I thought. And then all of a sudden, he gave the most, the, the wildest answer. Like, wait, what? And I was like, all right, let's go with that. Let's do that. Let's have expectations. And then the wildest expectations you could possibly have for this finale against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it got a little nutty on in the lab. Yeah, we're all a little tired. We're exhausted at this point of the year. So let's get nutty on in the lab right about now.
In the lab time is right now, and my name is Drew Doherty. Your name is John Harris, John Harris, and we got some fun stuff to talk about because the final week of the season is here, and the Texans, it's been a tough year, you know, 4-12, and can't say too many good things in a 4-12 and season, but looking to the future, I think this rookie class is pretty promising, pretty exciting. What would be, obviously a win, but aside from a win, what would be a semi-ideal to nearly ideal scenario for you on an individual basis with these players on Sunday against the Titans. What do you want to see from the likes of Davis Mills and the likes of Garrett Wallow and Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan and uh, Roy Lopez and so on and so forth? So it's kind of like a Christmas wish list in some sense for our rookies. I like that. Um, of, Of course, a few days after Christmas. That said, here we go. Davis Mills. I would like to see a second half drive trailing that he finishes and puts us ahead. Second half, we're trailing, I don't know, 20 to 17, and he deals down the field and puts us up 24 20. I'll one up you. You know what Go I want to see? Go ahead. I want to see the Texans up 35 nothing, <laughs> and they get the ball with 58 seconds and one timeout right before the half. And they get the ball at their own seven-yard line. And I want to see Davis Mills march down the field in about seven plays, throw a touchdown as time expires in the half to go up 42 to nothing. That's what I want. That would be fantastic. And then I'd like to see a camera in Coach Vrabel's face at that point because Matt Vrabel is always fun. Let's keep going. Now, okay, that's our first one. Let's keep going, and I'll keep one-upping you, okay? Okay. So let's keep going. You do the you do the rational one, right. and I'll do the optimistically wildly okay. irrational one. Okay? <laughs> okay, this is fun. We're making this up okay. on the fly. All right, here we go. Okay. Uh, the next the next pick in the draft was Nico Collins. Correct. One of the things I think Nico's got to continue to improve is understand that he is a big receiver. He's a big guy, and you know, last week I think was a was a good example. He's going against his former teammate Ambry Thomas, and I saw Ambry play at the Senior Bowl. And I thought he's a good player, but I was like, man, he's thin. He's going to get knocked off. Well, Ambry played very strong. Nico's got to play with that strength. I mean, he's got he's to muscle up a little bit more and utilize his size a little bit more, not let a guy like Ambry Thomas kind of grab his shoulder and pull him and then rip through and almost pick off a football. Nico's got to begin to play with that, that play strength, the physical strength he has. He is a dynamo. With the ball in the air, great hands, excellent feet. But I want to see him start to play with that strength and body guys that really have no business being in the vicinity with him. So with Jackrabbit Jenkins on one side, and at this point, don't know who's going to play the other corner for the Titans because some guys are banged up. But Nico's got to start playing with that strength and really just take over with that strength like we saw Andre Johnson do during his career. I like that. That's a good one. And I'll one-up it by saying using that strength to catch six balls for 255 yards and four scores. Three of those scores being uh, deep shots into the end zone where he kind of, or not necessarily deep shots, but shots into the end zone where he, like you're talking about, takes advantage of the size and does what he can do and what he, it looks like he's sort of built to do. So yeah, I like that. That's a good one, John. I love it. Okay, let's stay offensive. Mm -hmm. Revan Jordan. Sure. You know, Brev didn't get involved too much in the offense the other day, which I thought was a little disappointing. And for whatever reason, there was one third down throw where Davis kind of threw it in between Brevin Jordan and Brandon Cooks. And they all sort of looked at each other like, wait, was that for me? Was that for you? Who's that for? 
and I feel like it was Brevin who didn't he Davis was trying to throw him to a spot. And I think Brevin saw zone and just circled up. So they were both right and both wrong um, in that Davis was trying to throw to a spot, but in zone, you got to put it on the guy. And Brevin was doing what he's supposed to in zone. You circle up, but Brevin had to feel and needed to feel the guys to his inside and kind of just slide to the outside. If he does, it's a big third down catch and you move on. I'd like to see Brev get in the end zone again against the Titans. Uh, they really I don't think that I think Brevin played in that game in the rain and did some decent things, but it's now time to go back to what he was against the Chargers being a four catch a game guy without a doubt and going to making big plays with those four catches. I want to see eight catches, John, and I want to see three of them be touchdowns. But more importantly, I don't want to ever see him catch a ball on third down because I don't think the Texans need a third down in this game. They're going to they're going to move the ball and or score on first and second down and just march down the field or, you know, get the, the, the big stuff going. And what I really want to see is Brevin Jordan about seven or eight times taking the guy that he's blocking on a run play and just staying with him and blocking that guy into two or three other guys and just creating massive holes, massive creases for the Texans run game. That's what I want to see. I, I like the way you're thinking. Yep. I really do. Okay. I'm kind of getting the hang of this now. So you're the, next- you're the rational yeah. Expectation. Okay. Okay. I'm the Garrett irrational, Wallow. the rational, optimistic next. expectation. Okay. Garrett Wallow's next. Yeah. And I think with Garrett just being on the field consistently, you know, we saw that uh, against Jacksonville when he got on the field. Holy smokes. He can run. He can fly to the football. Obviously, with some guys coming back healthy, Kamagruje Hill, uh, Christian Kirksey, Neville Hewitt, those guys all coming back healthy. I don't want to say relegated Garrett to, you know, back watching, but it did to a degree, but I'd like to see Garrett get on the field and show what he can do in coverage. I think we've seen in the run game, like the way he can run, get to the outside zone. They'll get tested with the Titans. I mean, with Deontay Foreman and the way that Deontay Foreman is running, uh, which I'm going to do a telestrator on. I don't want to say they're not lacking a lot without Derrick Henry, but Deontay Foreman has found his form, no doubt. And the run D has got to be strong against that, but I think Garrett Wallow has got to show what he can do in pass coverage. I think that's an undiscovered or unearthed asset that we know that he has. And I think the staff and the personnel guys that scouted him last year, they know he's got it. It's just a matter of putting that together with the way that he plays the run. I think we see those things. I think Garrett can end up being a starter for a long time for this team. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there, I mean, there were questions when the Texans took Wallow. Hey, are you guys going to play him at like a, a big safety? Or they're like, nope, he's, he's, a, he's a linebacker. So, he sort of has that in his proverbial toolbox, yeah. so to speak. So I, li- I like that. What I want to see is Garrett go to the buffet and get some jello and get some ham, have some potatoes, maybe some Brussels sprouts, maybe uh, some green bean casserole, you know, mm-hmm. finish it up with a pie or two. <laughs> and then maybe on top of it, add some turkey, add uh, a slice of of carved roast beef or something like that. I want him to hit all the categories, you know, get double digit tackles, get a sack, get a takeaway, actually get an Uh interception, force a fumble, recover a fumble, break up some passes. I want a little bit of everything from him on Sunday and just be a a real difference maker. I think he could do it. You know, why not? We've seen that around here from JJ Watt, right? I mean, you start talking about food. I'm like, I thought I was going to have to smite you, sir. Sort of like I've done. Uh, I didn't mean to do it to my friend Seth Payne because I didn't hear Seth say it, but they're talking about Garrett being undersized. I'm like, 
Garrett's not undersized, man. Yeah, he's, he's big good enough, size. Yeah. But that number 32, I think, throws people off. So either way, I thought that's where you were going with it, but I understand completely. But you know, hey, and speaking of undersized, sheet. speaking of undersized, our good pal Mark Vandermeer has done a deep dive kind of on the linebacker position now in the NFL versus 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty interesting. You should probably, if you haven't already, you should try to get him on air talking about this when okay. you guys are together. Just the difference in size for these guys versus a decade ago. I mean, across the league, not just with the Texans, but the linebacker spot in general. It's pretty fascinating if you if you get him going on Wait. it. So. Mark Vandermeer, our, our head of analytics? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, okay. All right. So. All right, let's get to our final pick, and that's Roy Lopez. And I will give Mark Vandermeer credit for this because when he did his final Vander mock, he had Roy Lopez Jr. as the pick for the Texans. Remarkable. It was remarkable. absolutely remarkable. I don't think he got inside information, and he wouldn't tell you that, but he was pretty excited. And, look, Roy's been starting – all year, all year long. And the only game he missed was unfortunately against the Chargers, where I think he would have had some success against that offensive front that lacked Corey Lindsley. Well, mm-hmm. here's your opportunity. It's the Titans. These are the kind of games that you you would say you drafted Roy Lopez for. But when you draft a guy that late in the draft, you're just like, man, we're hoping to get something good out of him. But this is why you draft him, because he fits so well in this run defense. So against the Titans, I would imagine, look, if they run the ball, I don't know, 30 to 35 times, I would say 17 to 18 tackles for a loss is probably reasonable, probably reasonable this week. So I'm going to go with Roy Lopez, 17. I just I don't want too much pressure on him, but 17 tackles for a loss this week against Deontay Foreman and the Titans. Stealing and he my does bit. that. That is going to end up being a pretty solid performance on a capper of a rookie season for Roy Lopez. All right, a few things here. Uh, Roy Lopez is going to be the player pregame uh, interview this week. I'll also nice. do Drew's Dozen with him, so that's going to be fun. It'll be good to catch up with him. I'm looking forward to that. Make sure you listen on game day. Listen to John on Friday night, Sports Radio 610, or the Houston Texans mobile app, or just go to the, the app or the website. It'll be up there probably on Friday as well. On top of all that, you and I, I think we need to pat ourselves on the back because when he got here, he was somebody that when we looked at who he, who he was, what he'd done, what his background was, we thought this guy could be a real, you know, he could be a, a pretty, pretty big impact player at that spot. It's not a glamorous spot. It's not going to rack up a lot of stats at that spot, but it's important. And I think he's more than fit the bill as far as what's been asked of him. I mean, he's exceeded those expectations, I think. So it's been really fun considering where he was picked, the expectations. Yeah. And um, I've loved seeing what he's done. And you took the 17-18 TFLs, but make some TFLs. Be there in the backfield to meet Foreman right after he gets that handoff. Yep. Uh, it's yep. been fun seeing Roy Lopez. You know who else is a big, big Roy Lopez fan? Is a guy who played that position as well for this team the first few years that the team was in existence, Seth Payne. He's yes. got all sorts of fun stuff to talk about with Roy Lopez or about Roy Lopez. So bring it up with Seth next time you guys chit chat. I know you have, but uh, yeah. it's he cool. loves him. And for good reason. He yeah. loves him and for good reason. And of course, they both wear 91 and they both have the same hairdo. So yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much, I mean, like peas in a pod. Now, you, me, I think most people that look at this draft that has, or draft class, it's just pretty much played out its rookie year. Think, man, there's a great future here. Looks like Nick Casario and company really hit on things. There's a few people out there who quibble with that, but 
whatever, man. I, I'm I'm really excited about what these five can do. And maybe a few of the undrafted guys who have also come in from other organizations since the the you know the the draft went down late April of last year. There's a few guys that, that are really going to contribute and make a difference here in the future. And I'm excited. It's uh it's really one of those things where it looks like they hit on everyone. Everyone has a future with this team. We're not saying you got six all pros, but you got guys <laughs> yeah. who are all going to contribute and be a part of you know what you want to do or what you want to be successfully in the years to come, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's uh, look, Nick has addressed this a couple of times. He's done it with Mark and I uh, talking about the future at various points and, and pointing out, look, this is a it, it was a pretty massive rebuild that he was tasked with. And that's not done overnight. I mean, you think about renovating a house. It's probably the, the best way to look at it. You've, you've got to make sure that the foundation is absolutely rock solid. Yep. And I think the concrete has been poured and it's getting smoothed out where you want it to go. The rest of it goes up pretty quickly at that point. But you've got to get that foundation right. And I think this is the offseason. And, and Mark pointed this out. We were talking. I, I, I believe we were on the air, so I don't think I'm out of line. I think he brought this up. He said there were four things. Now, I will readily <coughs> excuse me. I'll readily admit I can't think of the fourth, but I know the th- I know three. Number one, what this offseason could be for the Texans. Number one, in no particular order. Number one, Andre Johnson potentially going into the Hall of Fame. Right, that would be fantastic. Number two, a potential trade that could bring back significant draft um, equity. And then number three, it is the draft because you've got first and second rounders for the first time since seemingly forever. I mean, if you think about it, 2019, yeah. You know, I mean, Titus was the last first round pick you had, but you didn't have any first round picks in 18. You didn't have any in 20, you didn't have 20 in, in any 2021. So the last first round pick you really made goes back to 2017 with Deshaun before Titus. So, I mean, Titus was the only one that you've had over that run and not to say that you have to win with a bunch of first rounders you've got to win with a bunch of good football players well the reason guys get picked in the first round is because they typically are good football players and now you're going to have some maybe it's just one this year depending on how the whole trade thing and timing and all that goes down maybe it's just one but you got plenty of picks the rest of this draft and i know to your left you've got a list of all the draft picks that the Texans are going to have this year. You know, they got the extra third from Bradley Roby. Um, if they're able to pull in some other uh, draft picks, this draft becomes ultra important. However, Nick Casario won't look at it, won't look at it that way. Nick Casario is going to look at it as it's a piece of the process. Mm-hmm. It's just that instead of, you know, going to waiting until day you know, two to make a pick, they'll be ready to roll early Thursday night, being able to make a pick in the top five. I think five is the lowest they could pick. So they're going to get a top five football player that night, maybe more, maybe yeah. more. And then we really can start setting that foundation in place. And Hey, if he still hits like he did, or you like, you think he did this year on those late round third day picks, keep in mind, he's got three sixths, six yep. this year, yep. three more sixths in 2023. So yeah, there's, there's quite a bit coming down the pipe in the years to come, maybe even four sixths in 2023. If, um, if the trade with, with the saints for Roby mm-hmm. hit all those expect, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he did either. I know he's been playing a lot lately. Um, but at least the, you know, the big part of that is getting that third. So, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll Massive. see. Massive. We'll see what happens. We did talk a little bit further about the LSU and Kansas state game because we were recording that on Tuesday, which was the night of the bowl game. And, 
Appreciate both those universities for making the trek down or over to Houston. LSU had 39 scholarship players. They had a lot of opt-outs, a lot of things going on, but they still played in a bowl game. They meant a lot to the people of Houston and a lot to people in the building. So appreciate the Tigers for making a trip. And, of course, the Wildcats came through with a big win. Deuce Vaughn, Skyler Thompson was the MVP. Number 22, Deuce Vaughn, like I said, he was incredible. 5'5", 175 pounds. I'll take him all day, every day. If there was an all-Harris team, like an all-Madden team, Deuce Vaughn would be on it and would be – like the first pick to be on it. He is so fun to watch, so tough, such a really good football player. Uh, just in just finishing his second year in college football. All right, we got predictions to make next. Straight up against the spread, some big, 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 big games. Determining playoff positioning, all that will be determined in week 18. I'm going to pick them next, sponsored by Caesars Rewards. That's coming up on Texans All Access. Access. All right, welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and a former teacher. And I am calling all of my favorite teachers out there. I know there are a lot of you out there, and a lot of you are teaching third and fourth grade, and you're wondering, how do I get kids to learn? Well, you can bring a little Texans football to your classrooms by signing up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. All right, we've got to that time of the show, my favorite time of the show, where I get to compete by making picks. I love this. I love getting to make picks straight up and against the spread. And we've got a full slate, two games on Saturday, 14 games on Sunday. It's the first time in NFL history that 17 regular season games will be played. So you ready? I know you're ready, so let's go, but get my music. I need my music. I I only pick games when the music's rolling because it's, it's, it's a vibe. You know, it's a vibe. You got, I got the vibe, so let's do it. Music's going, so let's start on Saturday, 3.30 on ABC and ESPN. The Chiefs are taking on the Broncos. Now, the Chiefs are on the road at the Broncos. Broncos season is finito. It's done. They've put Teddy Bridgewater on IR. They've put Kareem Jackson on IR. They're kind of limping to the finish. And a significant loss here could mean a lot. Not a great way for Vic Fangio. The Chiefs need a win after losing last week to Cincinnati Bengals. If the Chiefs get this win. In fact, the Chiefs losing to the Bengals last week moved a potential Texans-Titans game. There was a rumor that the Titans of Texas were going to play on Saturday. And in playing that game, if the Chiefs had won against the Bengals, the Chiefs wouldn't know, or they would know, oh, do they, are they going to play? Are they not? If the Titans then lost to us, the Chiefs would know, okay, this thing is pretty much locked up to be the number one seed. Either way, the Chiefs are taking on the Broncos. I think the Chiefs are going to cover that 10.5-point spread. They're going to win this by a couple touchdowns. Let's go, let's go 31-17. I think the Broncos are ready. The, the cars in the parking lot are ready to go. This season's done for the Broncos. We'll see what it means for Vic Fangio coming up very, very soon. The Chiefs win, and they cover that 10.5-point spread. Then the Cowboys are taking on the Eagles. Cowboys are 11-5. 
cannot be the number one seed. That's locked up by the Green Bay Packers. The Eagles at 9-7 and seven can't win the division, but they clinched a playoff spot last week. Dallas is favored by four in Philly. Philly has played well, but they ultimately haven't beaten great teams, but they've won the games they're supposed to win. In fact, the game's in front of them. I, oh man, this one's, this one's tough because I don't see either team having a ton to play for other than where exactly do they get slotted, who they play in the playoffs, which can mean something. But I think I'm going to go with Dallas to cover that four-point spread. I think Dallas is relatively healthy. I, can't, I, I haven't seen if Micah Parsons is ready to go at this point. If he is, I would definitely say Dallas. I'm kind of on the fence on this, but I'll still go with Dallas because i got to make a pick here. Dallas will win and cover the four on the road in Philly, even though the Eagles have been playing much, much better. The Bengals won the AFC North last week. 10-6. and six. The Cleveland Browns are 7-9. and nine. The Browns are a mess. Case Keenum will apparently start for the Browns, and Cleveland's a six-point favorite. Joe Burrow will not play for the Bengals. I think the Browns will try and get one final win. I think they'll get it. I think the Bengals will try and keep guys from getting hurt. So I'm going to lay the six, take Cleveland to win and cover that six-point spread. That'll give them eight. That'll make them eight and nine. And again, another season in which all kinds of hype for the Cleveland Browns, and they finish sub-500. Packers taking on the Lions. I, the, the Lions, boy, would... I really, at this point, I don't want the Lions to win this game. And I feel bad for saying that. But I don't want the Lions to win this game. And I want an upset in Jacksonville. Why? Because that would then make the Lions the number one pick. So if the Lions lose, they'll finish 2-14-1. If the Jaguars lose, they'll finish 2-15. Well, Jacksonville will get the number one pick. And they presumably could take a guy that we all really like, Aiden Hutchinson. No, they may not, but I would think that's a guy they want to pick um, at that particular number one spot. If the Lions win, then it doesn't matter what happens with the Jaguars. The Lions will have the number one spot. I don't think it happens. I think, Green, I think the Packers go to, to Detroit, get the win, cover that three and a half. Detroit will play hard. I've got to give it up for Amon Ross St. Brown. He's been playing much, much better. But let's give the Packers a win. On the road, covering that three and a half as the Lions go to two. The Lions shouldn't even be in that position. The Lions should have four or five wins this year. But uh, they played hard for Dan Campbell. I think this one against the Packers, uh, I think the Packers will get that win and cover. That number is low, I think, because they're not expecting the Packers to do much. They've got the number one seed locked up. I don't think anybody can reach them. The Buccaneers are 12 and four. Can the Buccaneers, I'm trying to remember if the Buccaneers and Packers, they had to have played. I think the Packers won that game, if I remember correctly. But maybe I'm wrong. Either way, Packers win. Number one seed goes through Green Bay yet again. Bears taking on Vikings. Neither team going anywhere uh, in this one. Andy Dalton's going to start for the Bears. The Vikings are a mess at 7-9. Could be the last game for both head coach. Both head coaches in this game. Matt Nagy for the Bears. Mike Zimmer for the Vikings. We'll see what happens. Minnesota's favored by five and a half. I think the Vikings get the win. They move to eight and nine. The Bears will fall to six and 11. Ironically, I don't know if it's ironically, but if the Bears win, then both teams will finish seven and 10. And I don't know how that puts in the seating, but this one matters because the Texans 
would then play the team that finishes in third place. And if they're both at 7-10, and 10, I'm not totally sure which one that's going to be. I've been thinking Chicago, and we would go to play Chicago because we will play the third-place team at their place in the NFC North. So I'm not sure if that's going to be the Vikings or the Bears, so that's definitely one worth watching. So that's a reason to watch that game if you're watching football on Sunday. Washington taking on the Giants. Washington's favored by seven. Uh, let's give the Admirals, I mean, the Washington football team, the win on the road against the G-Man. G-Man stink. Colts taking on Jags. Indy's a 15-point favorite on the road. Colts got to have it, and I think they'll get it. Colts will win this. 15's rich. I think the Jaguars will play hard. One last time, they had that game within six and had the ball in the fourth quarter before Trevor Lawrence was sacked and stripped of the football. I think Colts win. Once they get a big lead, I think they'll back off a little bit. Give the Jaguars a backdoor cover inside the 15. Steelers taking on the Ravens. 8-7-1 against 8-8. Now, there's still a path for the Steelers. I don't think it matters. Tyler Huntley is going to play. Uh, is going to start for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson's out. Baltimore's favored by 3.5. I think the Ravens, if they can get anything at all from their secondary, I think they'll slow down the Steelers. I don't think Ben's going to do much. I think the Ravens will eke this one out. I think he's going to get inside three and a half. So give the Ravens a win, the Steelers with the cover, but out of the playoffs. The Saints and Falcons, the Saints have got to win and then hope the Rams beat the 49ers. That gets the Saints in. On the road, Atlanta, New Orleans favored by three and a half. The Falcons would like nothing better than to give the Saints a ninth lost they would both then finish at eight nine i think the falcons are going to do that i think the falcons are going to find a way with matt ryan at quarterback to eke this one out straight up win over the saints and both teams finish eight and nine and that will knock the saints out of playoff consideration even before the 49ers and rams play actually they're going to be playing at the same time at 325 the jets taking on the bills bills win they win the division Bills lose. The Patriots have got a shot playing the Dolphins to win the division. So that's how it's going to go. I don't think the Bills are going to lose. Bills are favored by 16 at home. It's a bunch of snow. I don't think the Jets will score. The Jets will fall to 4-13. and 13. The Bills will win and go to 11-6 and six and win the AFC East and cover the 16. Then you got your 49ers-Rams game. This is going to be a barn burner. Not heard whether Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play. I don't think it matters. I think Trey Lance should be the guy. The Rams, Matt Stafford's got an opportunity here to shut the door on the 49ers, keep them out of the playoffs. Because I think in the playoffs, the 49ers could be a tough nut to crack. LA's fair by four and a half. I think the Rams get that. They will put up more points offensively than the Texans were able to last week. And that'll put pressure on the 49ers to do it. I don't think they will. I'm going 27-21 Rams. That'll cover the four and a half and get the Rams the number two two seed in the NFC even though the Buccaneers are going to win and beat the Panthers and cover the eight which is a little bit later I think and that'll give them 13 and four if the Rams win they'll be 13 and four but the Rams beat the Bucs earlier so Rams will be the two seed Bucks will be the three seed and that'll make the four seed uh, who would be the four seed that would be in the south northeast East, it would be the Cowboys. Cowboys would be the four seed. So that's how we'll break down when those two games go. Patriots are taking on the Dolphins. That's going to be a whitewash. I think the Patriots are going to go down to Miami and hammer the Dolphins, cover the six and a half. Bucks, I said, beat the Panthers. Cardinals are going to win against the Seahawks at home. 
Chargers Raiders. Ooh, boy, that's intriguing. Really, really intriguing. And I'm going with the Raiders to lose to the Chargers. I think the Chargers come up. The Chargers are just that much better. And they will cover the three in the process. Those are your picks brought to you by Caesars Rewards for every way you play. We get back. It's Drew Doherty's final word with Roy Lopez Jr. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access in the 2021 season. Game on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. And this has been my eighth year. And I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. So glad to be with you. It's strange. When you get to about mid-season, you're like, man, whew, okay. We're halfway through this thing. All right. And obviously, when you're having a season like we are having, uh, that was not great. But there have been moments and nuggets that you'll take forever. I'll, I'll remember that Chargers game as one of my favorite wins uh, of the 2021 season. Everything that came to fruition in that game, beating Justin Herbert, beating a team that could potentially go to the playoffs. The Chargers will play the Raiders for a spot. Winner gets in the playoffs. Um, if the Colts lose to the Jags, if they tie, then they both get in. And crazy stuff going on with that. But either way, everything that went with that Chargers game, you had so many players not playing because of COVID. You had players out there that never dressed. Here we are in week 16. And players had never dressed or put on a uniform before. Michael Dwumfor then goes out there. And did it against the Niners, too. Showed, man, he could play. You give guys an opportunity to play, and you you put them out there, and like, wow, okay, I want to see more. I want to see more. And when it's young guys like Michael Dwumfor, when it's young guys like Nico Collins and Davis Mills, and those guys are making plays, you're just like, okay, man, that's what the future is going to be, and I like the looks of it. Let's get this thing continued uh, to be put together. Let's continue to build the house um, and see that we can't uh, make a house that stands for a very long time. Unlike a team like Jacksonville, who did that in 2017, it's like they built a pop-up shop. And that thing was up and then out. Want to be able to build the house that can sustain anything for the longest period of time for two, three decades. You look at Pittsburgh. I mean, how often is, is Pittsburgh... You know, not making the playoffs, or I think Mike Tomlin's been there 15 years. They haven't had a losing season. That's what you're looking for. You're looking to build that foundation such that that house stays up and it's not impacted by anything. So that's a lot of offseason talk, and I'm sure we'll get into some offseason talk. Uh, Mark and I will on Monday on Texans Monday with our gaggle of hosts. We got one more game to win, and a guy that's going to be key in that game and, of course, in the future is Roy Lopez Jr. It's time for Drew Doherty's final word. Every single Friday, I give Drew the final word, essentially, as he sits down with one of the great players on this team. We did Drew's Dozen earlier, which was no football. The final word is all football. Here's Drew with Roy Lopez Jr. This pregame interview is powered by Reliant. Drew Doherty with defensive lineman Roy Lopez. And Roy, it seems kind of odd. It's your rookie season coming to an end, and we're going to get into the game in just a moment. But in this final stretch of the season, this final week of the season, when you look back at things, what have you learned about yourself as a football player? The biggest thing you learn as a rookie, all the past little things you've done to lead up to this to this year and lead up to the moments you're in, they matter. You know, everything's a... a 
about the little things. You know, people, you hear that so many times, but, you know, when you get up here, you you understand what they're talking about. So you just focus on that every day. You try to remind yourself and don't forget because on Sunday, you're thinking about the little things. So you got to remember to practice those things on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So And that's something you did pretty darn well because you came in here in May, shortly after you were drafted, and you didn't mess around. You had a good training camp. And then you go on to start 14 games this season, really from week two onward. There was a bout of COVID in there, but I mean, I'd say you handled those little things pretty well, don't you? Right. Yeah, I, I was I was fortunate enough and, and blessed enough to be able to, you know, play the full season and, and be able to perform. But, you know, that just goes to show the type of room I was in, the trust that they gave me and the trust that the coaches put in me and uh, my, my teammates put in me, playing alongside everybody and just understanding you can't skip a beat. When Vincent Taylor went down, you know, I still asked him questions and he helped me a lot. So just being able to lean on on everybody in the room, didn't matter if they played nose guard, three technique, five, six technique, that didn't matter. You know, I had questions and that's something that, you know, I'm grateful for that. I was able to ask questions to my coaches, fellow teammates and everybody. So, every, you know, I owe a lot to my teammates to be able to help me grow. That's really cool to hear about your curiosity, the inquisitiveness. How much, though, did self-confidence play in all of that and how much has your <laughs> self-confidence grown? Right. I mean, if you ask anybody in my family or any of my friends, really, they'll probably say, you know, I don't I don't like too much confidence. At the same time, I'm hard on myself. There's a good happy medium where I fall in that line. You got to be able to critique yourself and, and, and remind yourself that it's the next play, whether it's good, bad, it doesn't matter. You can't celebrate too much. You can't dwell on the, on the past too much. So being able to stay level headed is something that people have complimented me throughout my whole career that I'm kind of just laid back and kind of just try to focus on myself and others and, and make sure we all get the job done. So. And so with all that in mind, and we're going to talk about this game and I know that's the main focus for you right now, but with all that in mind, how do you attack this off season? What do you plan on working on and trying to improve the most? And where do you plan on doing the bulk of that? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm excited to play this last game and go try and get a win. And you know, I'm also looking forward to the offseason because I understand now what plays I'm going to get, what the NFL is all about. Coming as a rookie and you're like, man, just try to play football. Try to hold your gap and make the play and they come to you. you know. So now you got to take the next step going into year two. And you see that you know, with the rookies that were here last year. You, know, you look at John Grenard, that's taking a step. I'd like to take a step also and just being able to understand my body and, and being a nose guard and, and understand the double teams, the all the plays I'm going to get. And, and so being able to grow mentally, physically, my feet, my hands, and uh, just another year of maturity and, and understand that, you know, you got to take advantage of, of the time you're here. So that's really exciting stuff because you started out at a really good level. And if you take a step, that means really good things for the Texans defense and this team as a whole also means bad things for the Tennessee Titans offensive line who you're going to see two times next year and you're going to see this weekend. Tell me about that group because they obviously can't run the ball the way they do without those guys doing what they do in a pretty good way, right? Right. Thorough Line's a respected group of guys that play well with each other. They're pretty much all veterans, played many, many years. comes down to playing your keys and, and technique, and, and you know that's why our defense is so technique sound, or, or you have to be, you know, because – you know, that's what we got an advantage over our offenses. You know, we, we rely on our technique. It comes down to to playing football. That's just what we've got to do. You know, the O-line, their O-line is well-respected around the league. And it looks like Deontay Foreman is going to be the guy that gets the bulk of the carries this weekend. He had a 100-yard game last week. He's had two others in the last four or five games. What do you see from him as a running back, and what's the challenge that he presents in your eyes? They got a great group of running backs. The running back room up there is, is deep. You know, they didn't skip a beat. You know, when Derrick Henry went down and, and 
you know, seeing him come back is it's good for them, but all respected runners. They run hard. They got speed. They see the hole and they hit it. We got to stay in our gap. We got to be technique sound and, and play your 111th of the defense and make sure that you take care of your job. That's our goal going into this week and seeing those running backs perform. We got to take that upon ourselves. And how about their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill? How would you describe him? He's a leader. You know, you hear him throughout the whole game talking. You can hear him in between the plays. You can hear him when he's underneath the center. You know, he's a leader. Been doing this for a long time. You know, he's athletic. He can throw. He can make all the throws. That's another man that is uh, very well respected around this league. All right, kickoff is at noon inside NRG Stadium. So let's find out how you're going to power game day the night before. What time will you go to sleep and what time will you wake up? Yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm not a dude that stays up. Doesn't matter the day of the week. I'm out by 9, 9.30. All right. I might see 10 o'clock. That's shooting for the stars. I'm up at 5 o'clock. I'm up 5 o'clock every day. And then who knows, game day, I'm up earlier. You know, I'm itching. I'm, 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 I'm ready to get up to at least the facility and be able to see everybody and smile and, you know, joke around, be able to get our minds right, but also calm down. Because I know I'm not the only one that wakes up early and is anxious just, just to get to the stadium. So you get to the stadium, you lock in, go through your routine and everything, and everything kind of falls in the line. And the next thing you know, it's game time. Is 5 a.m. when you wake up that early, is the noon kickoff an eternity away, or does it go by like that, or is it both? No, it's not It's not eternity because, like I said, once you get up here, you're in your routine. So yeah. then it's just boom, 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 boom. You know, I wake up at 5, but it doesn't mean I get up at 5. You know, I'm up at 5, but I'm, I'm just – chilling in bed or on my gotcha. phone. Usually I have family in town. They're up before me. Go talk to my dad, go talk to my mom, my sisters. I always like to move around in the morning of a game. So I go on a walk and I usually call somebody from my family and just kind of say what's up, wake them up and bother <laughs> them. So <laughs> what do you eat game day? Game day. I switched it up during the season because it was a 12 o'clock. So I had to get used to 12 o'clock games. Right. I was doing the breakfast, but then I switched it up. I went carbs. I went, I went pasta for the games, yeah. So I'm, I'm waking up. I'm eating pasta at 9 a.m. in the morning. But huh. that's what it came down to. So someone suggested to me, sure enough, I had pasta one game. and I had a good game, so now it's a routine. So you know, I, I don't consider myself too superstitious, though. Pasta for an athlete before a competition is not odd. I mean, it's, it's not the normal thing that I think most people consider, but it's not like eating pasta with syrup like your buddy the elf from the movie Elf. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's totally right. cool. All right. Well, Roy... Best of luck. We've had fun watching you this season. Knock them dead on Sunday against the Titans, and uh, we can't wait to talk to you again in 2022. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. And there he is, Roy Lopez Jr. Had two rookies on tonight. Big thanks to them. Roy Lopez, Garrett Wallow. I think those guys are going to be – they're going to be important pieces of the 2022 defense. I want to say, well, they're going to be starters. They're going to be this. Obviously, there's a long offseason ahead, but an important one. And thank God it's long because there are a lot of things that have got to happen in that offseason before we get cranked up for 2022. But Roy Lopez and Garrett Wallow are guys that we're going to have our eyes on, no doubt, heading in to OTAs and the offseason in May and in June before we get to the 2022 season. So big thanks to them. A big thanks to Coach Cully. Every single Friday, he sits down with Mark Vandermeer, gives us some thoughts about the game. They're about to play. We'll have the Coach Cully show on Monday, and that's when we'll – We'll say our our thanks to Coach Cully, but I got to thank him because every Friday I have the opportunity to put that right off the top and let you hear from the head coach of your Houston Texans with Mark Vandermeer. And, of course, to my content team, Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty, and D.P. Sidhu. Could not do any of these radio shows without them, their friendship, their support, uh, all the content they provide to everybody in our digital uh, broadcast department 
couldn't do it without them. All the people at Sports Radio 610, you guys are the absolute best. Got to know, I think, every producer over the last eight years. I don't know how many of them have produced this particular show. I think this year alone there have been like six. They had two the Wednesday and Friday All Access. So Jimmy and Robert's doing it tonight and Chris Santiago, uh, Austin Mendez, my man T. Milner in, in a pinch has always been there for us. So everybody at Sports Radio 610, Armory Williams leads that crew. Absolutely love them. And most importantly to you guys, the listeners who support me, who support us, have been there from day one. Uh, you guys are the best. I mean, I just don't do this without you. And I, you know, sometimes you hear people say, you know, thanks like I'm doing right now. And you think, nah, you don't really mean it. Nah, I can tr- trust me. It means a lot. When I see you out and about, stop me, say hello, talk Texans. Uh, please do that um, because uh, it, it's fun to meet you guys, talk to you guys. If you ever are out and about and I'm there, please definitely don't hesitate to say hello. And I will, in turn, say thank you to you for everything that you have done for us and for me. And that's it. That's it for all access in the 2021 season on a Friday night. We'll do a little bit on Monday, but not as much. They had some open spaces, so I just want to make sure everybody understood how much they meant to me and to us this year, especially on Friday night. Thank you for listening. We will see you on Sunday at noon. Kickoff against the Tennessee Titans is at noon. Be there. Be loud. It's Fan Appreciation Day. Thanks again, everybody. And as always, go Texans.